VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, all right. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off today. Uh, I expect he's going to be back in tomorrow. So we look forward to that. Uh, well, what's the what's that song, Dave? Smoke gets in your eyes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of smoke in people's eyes these days. I know yesterday the advisory came down about smoke and uh, myself and Noah Shepard and Richard Duggan were all there and we all looked at each other and said, smoke? Anyway, when we looked out, we said, okay, it's a bit hazy out there. Very good. So uh, uh, we proceeded to talk to the uh, weather office and Brian Callahan got the weather office on uh, News Talk yesterday and uh, found out that the smoke that we're experiencing right across Newfoundland and Labrador right now is related to fires that are burning in uh, central and western Canada. And there's a area of high pressure that is sitting over Quebec right now that's sort of funneling this smoke up into the north and back down into Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, yeah, I have to say, when I left here yesterday, we happened to be out and about and um, it was noticeably smoky and you could even smell the smoke in the air. And as a matter of fact, I started to feel that, you know, that that acridness that you feel in your throat when it's smoky out (coughs) and I'm still feeling the effects of it now Um, but uh, it appears to be a little bit better on the east coast today it looks like central uh, western and northern parts of the island of Newfoundland anyway are going to be bearing the brunt of that today so it's not haze it's not fog it is smoke so if you happen to have uh, trouble breathing you have asthma or COPD or whatever the case may be and you'll know if you're affected um, just to probably reduce some of your outdoor activities or heavy uh, outdoor activities uh, while we um, await some cleansing breezes (laughs) I would imagine Well, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there is a fire burning in Ottawa right now. Speaker of the House of Commons, Anthony Rota, stepped down yesterday after inviting a 98-year-old Ukrainian veteran into the House of Commons. Well, what's wrong with that? Turns out the veteran uh, fought for the Nazis in World War II, and he received a standing ovation from MPs on both sides of the house. Uh, That was last Friday before the address by uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr uh, Zelensky. The Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Minister have both called the incident unacceptable and have acknowledged the damage and pain caused by the event. Among the concerns, however, not the least of which is uh, the shocking history-altering effects of the genocide the Nazis perpetrated on the Jews as well as other atrocities and the outrage over recognizing a man who served with the Nazis as a Canadian hero is the fact that on a 
purely political level, it also plays into this whole premise and narrative that Russia used in the early days of the war in Ukraine in justifying its invasion of that country. So Canada has suffered enormous embarrassment and shame on the world stage. It is an error of monumental proportions. Um, Rota's resignation does not address any of that. Um, Rota had to resign because uh, he was, according to all, uh, the uh, the person who invited um, this uh, veteran into the House of Commons. But uh, what does the federal government do now to start the process of repairing the very significant damage caused? I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. And certainly a, uh, a very... Uh, um, shocking incident uh, that is affecting all Canadians right now. Well, as of today, smoking and vaping on all provincial government properties is banned. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means if you're a public servant and you smoke, you have to leave the property in order to do so. So what does that mean to overall... I don't know, productivity? Uh, what is the proportion of civil servants who smoke? And uh, what does it mean uh, for those workers who must uh, travel to the periphery of government properties to smoke? Will it discourage um, those people from smoking? Um, what about the health and safe from a health and safety perspective, especially in winter, what does that mean? Uh, any thoughts on that? Let us know what you have to say. Is it the right thing to do? It, it, should there have been another approach? Are you a smoker? What do you think? By all means, I'd like to hear what you have to say this morning on that. We heard from opposition leader David Brazel yesterday raising questions about what appears to be the disparity between what Premier Andrew Fury is saying in public about Upper Churchill contract talks and development of Gull Island and what the Premier of Quebec, Francois Legault, is saying. Is that cause for concern or simply political posturing on Legault's part? It appears as though, of course, Quebec is... Um, uh, in serious need of extra power capacity. So arguably, Newfoundland is in a very strong negotiating position. I guess uh, the thoughts are with all Newfoundlanders and Labradorians that it's important now that we don't mess this up. If you have thoughts on that, you're welcome to give us a call. See, I can still feel that bit of smoke in my throat. It's uh, really quite extraordinary. Um, it uh, appears as though the scope of the investigation surrounding allegations against teacher and volleyball coach Marcus Hicks getting much broader. Uh, there isn't a whole lot uh, we can say about that at this time as the investigation continues, but the, the conversation right now is centered on people who may have information and uh, the importance of meeting them where they are in the process of sharing that if information if or when they feel it, that it's right. So if you have someone in your life who is affected by the ongoing investigation, um, give them your support. Let them know they did nothing wrong uh, is the message that officials are sending out now. And uh, as I said, it appears as though this investigation is getting much, much broader. 
Uh, and uh, myself and Dave were talking this morning, and um, I asked, is, has there been any word on whether the federal government is reconsidering those changes made to EI qualifying criteria? That's the ones that affect a huge number of uh, seasonal workers here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Haven't heard a word on that in recent weeks. We'll try to get an update on that, if at all possible. We're going to go straight to the calls now and start the show this morning with uh, Keith. You're on the air. Hello, Keith. Hey, good morning. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Great. What's on your mind? I just wanted to touch base about the brief press conference that Janice Fitzgerald held yesterday about vaccines and COVID and uh, respiratory virus season. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, she left it some key aspects of the, you know, the way to avoid uh, viruses. Okay. And that is? Are you still? Uh, masking. Oh, sorry. So, yeah. Uh, she, she totally didn't mention masking at all, which is a huge uh, tool that we have in the uh, tool chest to avoid respiratory viruses. Uh, and that's that's concerning. Well, Keith, I have noticed myself, just as a casual observer, going into uh, big public places, grocery stores, department stores alike, I'm noticing more and more people wearing masks. So I suppose it's an individual uh, choice whether or not uh, to wear a mask at this stage. I don't think there are, um, I mean, uh, in the past they have mentioned all of these regular type of things. Masking is one thing, but uh, hand sanitizing is another big one as well. Uh, yeah, see, and that's the problem. It's the miscommunication of, of the actual facts on how to avoid COVID and other respiratory viruses. So if it's respiratory, then that means it's airborne, right? So washing your hands for an airborne virus is pretty useless. You know, that'd be like washing your hands for the smoke that you guys have noticed uh, lately, right? Um, and it's, it's very concerning that our chief medical health officer isn't uh, holding, uh, doing that p- portion of her job, I guess. Well, I don't uh, know about that, uh, Keith. Respiratory illnesses are certainly spread uh, through hand contact with surfaces and the like. I mean, we're all continuously touching our faces or picking up things and bringing oh, them to oh, our yeah. mouths. I mean, if you touch something that somebody just sneezed all over and you bring your hand to your mouth unbeknownst to you, you're going to get that. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, but to leave out the airborne portion of respiratory viruses, you know, it's kind of... Uh, it defeats the purpose of the education, right? So you're telling people to wash their hands. Uh, COVID hangs in the air for, you know, could be hours and stuff like that. So washing your hands, yeah, it's going to, you know, stop some, you know, germs and things like that. Uh, but it's not the number one way to stop an airborne virus. Wearing an N95 mask or uh, basically, you know, uh, a good, well-fitting mask is a great way to stop an airborne virus. And for some reason, our government and uh, chief medical health officers just won't mention masking. And it's, um, you know, that's leading a lot of people to think, hey, I don't need masks. Right. So, uh, like you said, it's our own choice. But if people knew the real dangers, they'd probably more of them would choose to wear them. Right. Uh, for certain. Um, uh, but like I said, I, I don't know about you, but I've noticed a lot more people masking these days. And everybody has their own reason for masking. Uh, some people just don't want the bother of being sick. Others are quite concerned about what it would mean if they contracted COVID. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's again, that's the root of the problem. It's the lack of education from the Newfoundland government, specifically public health, which is led by 
Janice Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, part of their mandate is to educate people on, on the dangers and how to avoid and things like that. And it's just not being done. So it's, it's totally inadequate. Um, so, like, we're hearing things like cover your coughs and sneezes. Uh, that's not going to stop COVID from spreading through uh, a school or a workplace. And when you see things like, you know, they're banning um, smoking and vaping on public, um, what is it, uh, provincial buildings or provincial government buildings. properties? Yeah. Yeah. So when you see that, it's like, wow, you guys really do care. So you're banning that, but you're not doing anything to, you know, slow the spread of something like COVID-19 in those buildings because uh, upgrades to air quality is needed. Masking is needed. Uh, we're, we were told we would pivot when things got, you know, rough uh, kind of thing. And here we are with 14 to 17,000 new cases in the province, and nothing is being done to slow that down. So vaccines uh, may stop, uh, you know, a minimal amount of infections, uh, but just to focus on uh, people not going to the hospital and not dying isn't enough because of, uh, you know, the, the emergence of long COVID and, uh, you know, post-COVID conditions. So there's a bit of confusion right now as to uh, what those two are. So long COVID and post-COVID conditions. So the CDC estimates that one in five who gets infected will have a post-COVID condition. Now, that's not long COVID. So that means you get COVID and then months down the road, you have something else wrong with you. Uh, like diabetes is a huge one, especially in youth. And this type of information isn't being given to us because every time we're asked or, or uh, you know, public health, specifically Janice Fitzgerald is asked, uh, what info do you have on long COVID? Like she was asked yesterday by a reporter. She says she doesn't have any info on it. And that's unacceptable because, quite frankly, they have been getting information on long COVID from the federal government since uh, June of 2020, right? So uh, how long does it take for them to round up some info on, on a debilitating uh, condition, right? And it's it's just another uh, rung in the ladder of the inability of public health to educate people. So people think, if I go and get my vaccination, I'm fine, I'm protected. When in fact, they, they are protected somewhat, uh, but they're not protected from infection. They're not protected from long COVID. They're not protected from post-COVID conditions. And that needs to be uh, told to people so that they they have more understanding to make better choices, right? So we have warnings on cigarettes. We have no warnings plastered anywhere about COVID-19. That's very concerning. All right. Um, Keith, we'll have to leave it there, but I really appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. For sure. Like I say, we just want more information from public health. They just got to do their job and earn those salaries. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And uh, anyone with thoughts on that is certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going to go to uh, Leslie Smallwood. Hello, Leslie. Hello. How are you this morning? I'm okay, thanks. And yourself? Good, good. What's on your mind? Um, A few things, actually. I'll touch on them a little bit. The one thing that really caught me was when you mentioned about how would it affect people, this new uh, ban on just outside of buildings or on their property even. Um, Well, for me, for example, with a person with asthma, when I walk outside of places like hospitals or these public buildings, 
I'm not walking into fresh air. I'm walking outside of a building into a cloud of smoke. And I find that's always the case. As soon as you exit a building, you're in a cloud of smoke. People do not move away from the buildings. They're right there, right outside the door. And for anyone, whether it's sickness, asthma, like you said, COPD, all those things, it is truly, it really is disgusting and disrespectful. And um, it really does affect people's health. Like you end up getting into a coughing fit. You can have an asthma attack. Personally, I mean, even right here at the moment, I'm like sick. But when a person with asthma even gets a cold, it turns into a chest infection and different things like so easily, I find. Like when I get sick, I end up getting really sick. So it really does affect people. Absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, especially I find it at uh, hospitals and the like, my goodness, uh, you know, you, you see them all gathered around by the door. And I know that there are uh, warnings and all that kind of thing. But, you know, if you want to get out of the weather, if you've got to have a smoke and you want to get out of the weather, that's where you're going to be. You're going to be in some kind of a sheltered area where people have to pass by you. Yes, and it's, you know, there's no enforcement of anything. You know, it's um, like a lot of things. If there are rules or if there are laws, if they're not being enforced, what's the good of them? Yeah, for sure. So as someone who suffers from asthma, um, I mean, how do you avoid those types of scenarios? Is there any avoiding them? No, not really. You kind of have to just, if you see it, kind of just hold your breath kind of, you know, or, and just kind of walk by as fast as you can. There's not much you can do. And cigarette smoke obviously is a, is a trigger for you. Yes. I really, really cannot be around it. You must find it really bad now with this smoke. Cause I'm finding it bad. Um, to be honest, I'm not really currently in an area where that's affecting me, but I, if I was, I would definitely have to stay indoors for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough illness to, um, to maintain, isn't it? It is. It is. I do take daily pills uh, called Singulair, which is, you know, from the airways and whatnot. And uh, besides that, then there's the uh, inhalers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, does it restrict you in, in any way, uh, you know, in, in terms of um, um, your um, physical activity, that kind of thing? It can. <clears throat> it can. Um, I find with myself, I find I'll go through, I don't know, I, I guess you could call it bouts where it'll get bad for a while. It could be a few weeks. It could be a few months. And then I could be fine for weeks. So it's like... I don't know if it's just triggers or things kind of bring it on more so than others, but yeah, I go through periods when it gets worse and uh, it definitely does affect things like that. Yes. And I suppose um, things like uh, a cold or the flu or COVID uh, is of particular concern to you. Yes, definitely. Um, When I get a cold, even I end up getting it like really bad and breathing becomes very difficult Excuse me. There's even times when it is hard to even speak in a full sentence at times because you're kind of almost like gasping for air a bit. 
and here I am forcing you to talk more. No, <laughs> um, I'm good, thanks. But it's important to know these things. There's an awful lot of people out there with asthma. Were you diagnosed at a young age? No, not at all. It's so strange, no. I was about 20 or 21, and I noticed it's, you know, my breathing was getting different or more difficult, and um, it did run in the family. Like, there are family members who have it, so I did get tested, and yeah, that's when I found out at that age. And like you say, have you found it, uh, you know, getting uh, better or worse from time to time in your, in the course of your life? Yes, definitely. Um, I don't know what it is, but to be honest, this past couple of years, I find I'm getting, when I get a cold or anything, it's way worse. Like, I end up getting chest infections, pneumonia, like all kinds of things. Like, anytime I get sick, even just like a flu kind of virusy type thing, I'll get really bad. So how do you avoid that? Do you, um, I mean, Keith off the top was talking about the importance of masking. Do you wear masks in public? Um, I know I should, I suppose, because I'm more at risk, you know. Um, in certain situations I have, like I was at the hospital the other day, <clears throat> and I actually did wear one. Um, I do notice, like you were saying, that there are people who are still choosing to mask. I've noticed, especially in supermarkets for some reason, um, that's where I tend to notice people wearing them. I guess it's just because it's closer proximity. People are near each other, going up and down the aisles and things. But um, I was going to say that the last caller, what he had to say was quite interesting. And... Um, Masking has become a contentious issue. However, I still believe it should be at least promoted or suggested more so than it has been. Leslie, I really appreciate your perspective on this. Uh, thanks so much, and I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. Alrighty, Have a great day. Bye-bye. Uh, Leslie Smallwood there, someone who suffers from asthma. You can hear she's uh, struggling a little bit there now. Uh, any thoughts on uh, what she's had to say? By all means, do give us a call. Should government be at least promoting the idea of masks for those who choose to wear them? Uh, give us a call. Let's, let us know what you have to say about that. And we're back. We're going to go now to uh, Bernard White. Hello, Bernard. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I've, uh, I'm, pr I'm pretty good now, but uh, I had something that happened to me that made me really angry on the first day of school, okay. driving west, driving west on uh, McDonald Drive. Uh, it, it, it's a pet peeve of mine that, that I, I see the, uh, the, the signs that tell you how fast you're going, and, and uh, usually the people in the inside lane because I drive the outside lane all the time when I use that, that uh, they always seem to drive like 60 and 70 because and, I see their, their speeds when they... But anyway, this particular day was the first day of school. So I was driving up in the outside lane and several cars, I could notice cars were moving out of that lane. And a, a red car pulled out in front of me and I, I had to I had to uh, uh, you know make an emergency move to get away from him because he was going faster than, than you know trying to get in and what I noticed 
which which has made me even more angry, was that the crosswalk was being painted. The first day of school, right in front of McDonald Drive Elementary School. That's a little bit too late. <laughs> uh, well, they, you know, they had from, you know, I mean, whoever coordinates this, really, I, I, I got so angry that, and I'm starting to get worked up now, that whoever coordinates this, they got from the second week of June until the second week or the, or the first week of September to coordinate doing the crosswalks in front of schools and in a place where you got four traffic lanes, you got four lanes, you got two lanes going one way, two lanes going the other. I mean, it's come on. I mean, someone just didn't do the research. Someone at, at, at and, and then I called Jill Bruce, who's my representative with, uh, with, with City Hall, and, and I had a chat with her. But, uh, you know, she said, well, she's going to put it, you know, she's going to do an email and put it in the, so that don't happen again. Well, I've heard from your, your person who answered your phone there to put me on to you that you got another complaint uh, last week from somebody else in front of another school. Yeah, and I uh, I remember hearing somebody in the newsroom mention that uh, someone had uh, called uh, regarding another area. It wasn't McDonald uh, Drive. It was somewhere else uh, in the metro region. Yeah. Uh, same thing, uh, crosswalk being painted on that very first day of school. Yeah, yeah, very first day of school. Now, you, if you had to watch TV the night before or even two nights before, the Minister of, of Safety was on, the school bus people were on, everybody was saying safety, 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 take your time, you know, watch out for kids, it's the first day of school. And and what does somebody do? Someone in their smartness at City Hall or at, at the depot decides to do crosswalks in front of the, in front of the schools. I mean, come on. You know, our, 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 and... No, I, I, I'm going to make, I, I'm going to mention a word or then, but, but <laughs> uh, uh, it just, it just irks me. It, it just makes me angry to think that these people, these, you know, whoever these coordinators are, I'm sure they've got lots of education, but they're, it just don't make sense. No, it certainly doesn't. You know, I mean, they they know when the school gets out. They can call any school and tell. I mean, you can find that out. That's just general public information. You know when the school gets out. You know when they go back. And even if you watch TV three or four days, you know, if you watch the news or listen to the news three or four days before, everybody's pushing safety issues, safety issues, safety, 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 drive slower, watch out for kids. And then someone at City Hall or someone at, at the depot decides, oh, no, we're going to do a whole bunch of crosswalks now in front of the schools. You know, that, that's, you know, it just all makes sense. Making it even less safe for everyone. Well, well it, it was less safe for me because a red car caught in front of me because he was trying to, he was trying to get out of that lane. And the best of it all was there's no, there was no indication that, you know, prior to that, and then the traffic was fairly busy at that hour in the morning. And there was no indication that it was under until you got to there, until you got to the pylons. So these guys, you know, who were speeding, who were going up the inside lane to try to get ahead of everybody else, were all turning out into the other lane because they were here. They were, oh my God, here's the pylons right in the crosswalk. So, you know, <laughs> they just, they just created something that that was, you know, that's like passing the school bus when it stopped with a stop sign out. You know, it just, you don't do that, right? 
Bernard, I really appreciate your call this morning. Let's see if others are equally riled up as you. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thank you, Linda. At least, at least I got that off my mind. At and, least you and, got and it off your public, chest. <laughs> the general public, especially people who got kids that are crossing crosswalks every every day of their, of their life, you know that that you don't want you don't want to make it any less safe than it, you know than it already is. Yeah, for certain, Bernard. I really appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Linda. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, and, yeah, we received calls about other areas uh, in and around Metro where uh, crosswalks were being painted on the first day of school or in that first week. Uh, anyway, anyone else encounter that? What do you have to say? What, what are your thoughts? Give us a call. We're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And we are back. We're going to go now to Brian. You're on the air. Hi, Brian. Hello, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's been a while since I phoned in. But uh, I'm a political atheist. I don't have any use for politics. And I'm going to tell you, Tonight on, uh, I think it's CNN, I'm not too sure, there's going to be the second debate among Republicans to see who's going to become their nominee. And uh, I'd, I'd encourage people to watch it because you're watching the death of democracy. And why do I say that? Well, you've got a former president who faces 91 charges against the law. If that was me, I'd be in prison. You don't. You, we're after finding out that on January 6th, Rudy Giuliani, the, the uh, used to be called America's mayor, that was should be called America's jail person, groped a woman who went before the committee on about January 6th. And you know, the American people are going to elect Donald Trump again. I do believe it. I look at the polls, I look at what people are thinking, they are going to elect Donald Trump again. Uh, a vast majority of Americans uh, say to the polls that even if someone were convicted of a crime, they'd elect him president. Now, we're going to have to deal with that because we're, 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 we're on the other side of the border. But as far as democracy is concerned, it's dying. You look at who the favorite uh, favorite leaders of people in the United States are, are the, the leader of North Korea, who's building up his arsenal. Uh, Putin, over in Russia, who has killed 7,000 children since the war began. And that's, 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 that's their heroes. So when the next election is held, and Donald Trump wins, because he will win, I'm certain of it. The American people will have no one to blame but themselves. And that's what I want to say today. If I were an undertaker, I'd say, put the body in the casket, do a service, and bury it. It's all over. Uh, so you don't have a lot of um, faith, I suppose, in the democratic process in the United States at this stage. Well, I don't have a lot of faith in, it in Canada. But you take a look at the political process is based upon lies and innuendos. The vast majority of Americans still believe 
the 2020 election was stolen. They believe that Joe Biden is head of a crime family. That's why I have no, no faith in the political system. Brian, appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Alrighty. Bye-bye. We're going to go uh, go to uh, Eric. You're on the air. Good morning, man. How are you this morning? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Oh, I'm just great. great. I've uh, been ill for a while there. Uh, I'm advocate for Non-Stars First Nation, and this morning I have a request, and I have to be careful what I'm saying because we're going to be entering back in court very soon. This morning I'm going to call for, uh, uh, without any disrespect to Chief Mitchell, uh, to Alapu McMahon First Nation man, and the council to resign immediately based on the recent ruling by the court. Ruling that uh, they took the cards illegally and they were unlawful wrong what they done. So uh, let's back up for a moment now. You're calling for the resignation of the Halapu uh, Council. Uh, immediately. For uh, what reason? Based on the recent ruling of the courts. And for anybody who's not following that closely, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, what was that ruling? That ruling was that uh, the government acted unlawfully and wrongful in removing the, card, the cards from the people. And it is my opinion, strongly, that the chief and council, with all due respect, knew all about this all along and backed it up and betrayed their people. Are you a member of the Halibu First Nation? I am, I am non-status right now because I'm in Ontario and they took my card from me, which they had no right to do based on the charter rights stating that everybody has a right to move and live anywhere in Canada to be treated equally the same. Do you think the entire process as a whole was flawed? Because I think it surprised a lot of uh, uh, people who, um, uh, you know, were involved in the process, just how many uh, applications they had received. Yes. Well, it doesn't matter. There was tons of applications, tons of people who, who were members, who, who faced the criteria. You know, the criteria, they had the criteria, they proved that they were Native, and therefore they should have been accepted, and they were accepted, and 10,000 cards removed from the people for no reason at all. There is no boundaries on the Indigenous people. We live all over this country, just as Canada. People don't understand for the same fact that we are Canadians. Doesn't matter where we live. 1949, we joined Confederation. So that's made as part of Canada. It didn't mean that you take your rights away because you live somewhere else in Canada and that you're a Newfoundlander. And of course, the Halapu are a uh, landless band. So how does that work when you, um, whether you live in Corner Brook or Stephenville, or if you were live in uh, Petawawa, um, what difference would it make if it's a landless band? It doesn't make any difference. You're entitled to, listen, the Mohawks, which I work on the reserve here in Brentford, Ontario, Caledonia, I'm sorry, the Mohawks, the uh, Tuscarawas, 
they all are living somewhere else off the reserve, and they are still treated the same way. The Métis from Nova Scotia lives in Ontario, but they still have their status cards. They still use their status card. They're accepted everywhere. What is the difference? Because you're a Mi'kmaq from Newfoundland, did you live in Ontario? You're not entitled to your card? That's wrong. And it was such a contentious process. I mean, our phones never stopped ringing uh, from people questioning that. You know, you had siblings, one who uh, was uh, accepted as a member of the band and another who was rejected. It it seemed to be very, um, I don't know, arbitrary, if you will. Well, look at the twins in, uh, I think it was uh, Ben's school. One accepted and the other not accepted. I believe that's what happened. Uh, look, I've been involved in this now since 2018 in court. To the people, right now I say, I am on my way. I have gotten better. I'm coming back stronger, and I'm going to fight for your race. The lady, we will not use the full word, the lady hasn't finished her song yet. When she finishes her song, you will have your rights. We're going back in court now with the class action lawsuit coming up. The court has been notified. The counsel, uh, Kelly Peck, uh, who's uh, the lawyer for the counsel, Mr. Mills, who is work, uh, the lawyer for the government, Dave Mills, with all due respect to the counselor, he is the lawyer for the band. I've had two lawyers resign from the band that was representing the band, Steve May, James American, resigned because of conflict of interest. And Penny, I was in court trying to prove that James American was in conflict of interest. Then two or three months later, we appeared in court, and it was said that he resigned in a conflict of interest. No explanation, nothing. This whole thing has nothing but a fart from the beginning. Eric, we have to leave it there because we're up to another break, but I do appreciate your call. I'd like to hear what others have to say about it. All right. I will be in Newfoundland when in the upcoming week, the court has been notified that we're going back into court. I'm going to finish my case. Eric, all the best. Thank you very much. And thank you, Penny, for having me on. And I just hope this is no uh, disrespect to anybody, okay? It's just a statement of fact, okay? All right, Eric, thank you. Thank you very much. All righty. Bye-bye. Uh, Eric Tucker there on the uh, Halibu First Nation, um, I guess, uh, qualification process uh, still fighting that in the courts if you have any thoughts on that you're welcome to give us a call or anything else you've heard here or anything else that happens to be on your mind um, we heard from a caller earlier who was uh, uh, really worked up still worked up over uh, the fact that uh, some line painting was being done on the crosswalk outside uh, schools on McDonald Drive on the first day of school uh, did you notice anything similar in your area are we ever really prepared for for um, you know road construction and how does that whole process work in conjunction with um, you know 
dates and times on the calendar, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I know there is a lot of things that go into uh, the planning uh, and processes involved in all of that, but uh, uh, when you have uh, things like that happening, it uh, leaves drivers, obviously, very, very frustrated. I'd like to hear what you have to say about that or anything else. We do have lines open. Now is your opportunity to give us a call. We don't want to leave you hanging. Thanks so much. And for the first time since uh, hosting the show this week, we have lines wide open. So now is your chance to give us a call. Uh, The federal government yesterday announced some more um, measures to try and, um, uh, I I suppose, accelerate the uh, building of uh, new affordable housing uh, right across Canada. Uh, So they've come up with some incentives to help um, contractors uh, when they are um, getting um, bank loans and the like. So uh, hopefully that will have some kind of an impact. But of course, all of this is going to take time. And we have a crisis that is happening here and now. And we had quite a few calls on the show yesterday from people who uh, were expressing uh, that uh, sense of urgency and um, questioning what's going to be done to keep people from living in the rough this winter. And winter is fast approaching. I can guarantee you uh, the weather, the uh, temperature is starting to drop significantly. It's uh, certainly not that warm at night. And uh, just imagine now the people who are uh, living with no shelter. It uh, it requires immediate action. What can be done? The question remains. And um, we had some callers yesterday who uh, raised that whole um, idea of... Um, Newfoundland and Labrador housing, for instance, quite a few units uh, still boarded up uh, around across the province. 200 units, I think, uh, was one of the figures uh, quoted there. So um, what can we do about that? Uh, is it just a matter of uh, freeing up the cash to get those uh, units up and running? Or uh, what is the impediment there? Anybody with thoughts on that, they're welcome to give us a call. Uh, we're going to go now to uh, Dennis O'Keefe. Hello. Morning, Linda. How are you this morning? I'm good, I must say. I'm really good. How about yourself? Good? Oh, good. Haven't talked to you in a while. No, not for a while yet. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to let the public know, Linda, that uh, the Southwest Coast Alliance doing the petition on the uh, wind energy project out on the West Coast, the petition is going to be at the village on Saturday and Sunday of this week and hopefully Saturday and Sunday of next week and from there it will go to the House of Assembly which should be around the middle of October. Yeah, and we had, I I believe her name is Brenda, is that correct? Brenda Kitchen. Yeah, Brenda. She was on the show yesterday, and um, she uh, raised that issue and explained some of the concerns they have there. But uh, specifically, what is the petition asking for? Is it that six-month pause that she mentioned? Yeah, you know, I I think what the petition is asking for legitimately is that the government take its time and, and whatever gets done, let's do it right, let's do it correctly, Let's do it professionally. Let's do it given proper consultation right across the board. And you would think, if you look at the history and the recent history of Newfoundland Labrador, uh, bamboozling your way through as quick as you can is not the best way to get something done. 
And we've done that. I mean, we did it with most fresh files. And, you know, uh, I'll steam ahead, no matter what people are saying, I'll steam ahead. We're, uh, I'm talking about Montserrat Falls right now, and we're going to do the project, and we're going to do the project, and listen, we're going to do the project, and that's not the way to do things. I mean, the way to do things, proper consultation, proper scrutiny, put all the safeguards in place to make sure that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians down the road do not have liability. Like the Southwest Coast Alliance, one of the things they, they are bringing up is it this decommissioning fund. And, I mean, that's quite legitimate. We, we've been down that road, too, where uh, we've been, we as taxpayers of the province have been left with a mess to clean up out of our taxes rather than a developer who did the development, made a lot of money on it, and it's gone, and nobody knows now what's going to happen, and all of a sudden the taxpayers have to hold the bag. And I think Brenda mentioned the uh, the issue currently for the last number of years out in St. Mary's is an example of what can happen. So when it comes to these wind farms, okay, if you're going to go ahead with a development, you need to put a decommissioning fund in place before you get any approvals. And that money goes into an escrow account, and it's not to be touched by anybody. And, you know, these turbines have a lifespan of, I think it's 25 to 30 years. So what happens 25 or 30 years from now when my grandchildren, when the oldest of them would be 30, 31, or the youngest would be 30, 31 years old? So is he left holding the bag as a, as a taxpayer if, if he's here still? And yeah, so indeed. all of these things need to be thought out on any project and and put in place properly. I mean, right from the start, I didn't agree that uh, World Energy should do its own environmental assessment. I, I, you know, that, that's, that wasn't an independent assessment. I know they, they did it. They hired somebody to do it. Uh, and now it's gone to the provincial government for analysis. But, I mean, the oil and gas industry would never get away with something like that. So let's, if whatever we're going to do, let's do it right. And that's what the petition is saying. Well, indeed. And the decommissioning fund is, a, is an interesting aspect of all this. And I think a lot yeah. of the uh, suspicions and questions and fears that people have about all of these projects that seem to be proliferating um, is that they're not getting the answer that they're looking for and they have serious questions that need some answers uh, and usually more I mean I'm, I'm a big pro- proponent for more information is better than uh, less yes. um, and everybody um, I would su- suggest anybody who has questions would probably feel the same way so a decommissioning fund I see exactly what you're saying there because we're going to be left with all of this infrastructure um, a generation from now and who knows if these private companies are still going to be around at that point um it's on crown land which is our collective responsibility so yeah what how is that going to work exactly uh, we don't want these eyesores on our landscape forever in a day or crashing down a, a, a upon us or around us um you know 25 years and let's you and i know this dennis 25 years comes faster than a lot of people think <laughs> does it ever and 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 you're right i mean 
you, and you and I know what's going to happen if, a, if such a fund is not put in place, and I mean before any approvals. So World Energy is going to have to put up money uh, um, in an account, an escrow account, a figure that has worked out that will pay for the rehabilitation that will take place. I mean, as sure as I'm sitting here right now, 25 or 30 years from now, these turbines may have to be taken down, recycled, put back up, whatever it may be. And certainly God, uh, unless they're going to put in a turbine tax, like the sugar tax and the carbon tax, uh, we're going to be on the hook for it one way or the other, unless this decommissioning fund is in place. So again, if you come back to the project as a whole, like any project, let's take our time. You know, uh, the market is not going to disappear uh, in three or four months' time. Uh, If this is a worthy project, then it's a worthy project. Let's get the facts out to the people, in particular those who live on the southwest coast and those and other, you know, wind projects around the province. I mean, it's not only this one. They they should be looked. I think Brenda mentioned yesterday uh, there should be a a cumulative uh, assessment of the impact of wind farms in Newfoundland and Labrador. It's not only the one. Jointly, they have to be looked at as a package. I mean, we, we need a well-thought-out policy. That's all the Southwest Alliance is saying, that will cover off all of these contingencies. Dennis O'Keefe, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very well, much. And uh, Linda, again, I hope uh, people will turn up, sign the petition. It'll be 10 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday on the second floor up at the village right opposite the elevators up there. And I'll be there and Brenda Kitchen will be there. Appreciate your time, uh, Dennis. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. You have a good day and a good weekend. You too. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Dennis O'Keefe there about uh, the uh, petition put together by the Southwest Coast Alliance, and we heard from Brenda Kitchen on Open Line yesterday outlining some of their concerns there, looking for a decommissioning fund, uh, a bit of a pause on all of these developments until, uh, you know, a proper assessment is done, and they're looking for a cumulative effects assessment as well. Your thoughts? Give us a call. Now is your chance to do so. Uh, Brent is with Waiting in the wings, we'll hear from him after uh, the news at the top of the hour. This is VOCM Open Line. I'm Linda Swain in for Patty Daly. Here are the numbers to call. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. And we're back. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off today, uh, but he will be back tomorrow. Uh, Brent is on the air. Hello, Brent. Good day, Linda. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? All smoked out. Yeah, isn't it, though? But enjoying the show, as always. Thank you. I'm calling you from Clarenville here. About, uh, I hear a lot of talk about the homelessness, and I see a lot of homelessness here in the area. And I'm just thinking, uh, soon time for, I hear I'm giving out all this crown lands, like you guys were just talking about the wind farms and such. Soon time for them to start giving out some crown lands from the agriculture maybe in the area as well. Or build for people to build some units, you know. Because I got 30 acres there in George's Brook. And I've tried farming it. I've had it since 2016. 
with no success other than spending a lot of money. I'm invested in the real estate, so I'd like to build some low-income housing down there. It's uh, and people that are hard finding a hard place to to live, right? Because I hear them on the on the news saying they got the government, they got the lead agricultural land for a dollar an acre. They can give it away. Anybody who wants to do anything, they got all kinds of agricultural land. The government do that they can give away basically. So I got it down there. I bought it in a private sale. It's bordering a community. I got the, the resource, the means, the want, and the know how to build row houses, what I'd like. Because here, I mean, calling from Clarenville, from Clarenville to Bonavista and all places around right now with all the homelessness and how long it had been going on, far too long. There's not one development as far as I know being built to focus towards the low income people and the hard to house but now there is stuff for seniors there, there's a bit of that which is great seniors need it as well and they're building these beautiful apartments for them but for the low income like there's no land around it just seems silly that we're in a province with so few people so much land but but the government's like they don't want to. Like where where can a guy go to to do that in the area? You know what I mean? It's seventy thousand dollars for for a building lot in Clarenville, big enough to build one two apartment house. Or if you just step outside of town, but you go but they like. So basically, what they're saying is no development can go from George's Brook. Too hardcore because it's all farmland on both sides. So I'm the first piece on the right. So I think, and I've tried to contact different people in the government, try to get it transferred over because, like I said, I've invested over a hundred thousand dollars of my own money trying to farm it and buying it over the years and doing different things. And uh, that money could have went to putting roofs over people's houses putting roofs over people's heads, which is what I want to do now, right? So you acquired that land as agricultural land? It was when I bought it, and yeah. it was 2016, and I had good intentions. I, I did chickens, but even all, it's all regulated, though, right? Like, like you can only have a hundred up to 100 chickens, so you, you, they, they don't let you do enough to make money with chickens, so that's good enough. So then you go and you try different things. Like we did sheep for a while. It was great animals. But uh, if you can profit $100, $200 off a lamb in a year and say if you're lucky to get two lambs, well, you'd need a lot, a lot to support that. You know what I mean? When you got to buy the hay and then you got to work on top of it. So, I mean, they're saying on the news that they got – more, they got all kinds of agricultural land. They're on the news saying that they're giving away all this, this all this crown land, an unimaginable amount of crown land to, to people for the windmills. But uh, why don't they release some of the crown lands to people who wants to build low-income housing for people, give them land, give them room to do it, especially when it's so close to a community, you know what I mean? Like if I went down there and said, all right, I'm going to do like a gentleman down the road and go mink farming. She's all the people that are in the community of George's Brook. 
You know what I mean? We'll, we'll be smelling that, but I know that that would be a different different fact then. But I just think that land perfectly suited for to go down there. I'd like to build some row houses, one bedroom apartments for to to help with the housing crisis. And what kind of a response are you getting? little to none like it seems like common sense to me right and and, and is it because it's like designated it? as as agricultural land that uh, you're limited in what you can do on it yeah i can't build nothing down there right i can't go all yeah like even to build a building if i was farming you know what i'm saying like right now yes because it's agricultural land I can't do it. They won't let me do anything down there. But but I see, I hear all this talk about all what they're going to do for the housing crisis, right? And I see a lot of homelessness, and I see people struggling to find a place to live. And I'm thinking there's not a whole lot of places to, to do stuff. So it's, So if the government could release a bit of land for people to help the problem, you know what I mean? Like if, if, the, if they're going to deem all the land... Well, you, when you leave George's Brook and you go up towards the Bonavista Highway, that's all agricultural land. You leave hard, you leave George's Brook and go towards Hardcourt, it's all agricultural land. So when you pull in by off the highway and you drive down that far, right to where you get to my land, all it's all developed houses. It's all houses right down there. But then you get down there and it says no more. So... I just would like to get it released and, and, like I said, build some houses down there. All right. Well, Brent, uh, keep us informed of uh, whatever progress you make on that. Yeah, I'd just like to know if you uh, might know somebody or who, who might like, contact to uh, try to help with that. or. Well, your MHA would be a good start. Yeah, Craig Party's the MHA down there. I wrote him email on that, but I get, but but he don't have no nothing. He don't seem to want to do nothing right and for it. And uh, I went to agricultural, and I can understand they don't want to do it because I guess that's their department. But yeah, I don't know who who else to go to. So that'd be the only two people, I guess. Well, that would be the start, anyway. I, I don't know uh, what else you could pursue there, unless you went to the uh, department of, uh, unless you went to NL Housing or something like that. Yeah, that'd be that might be a good try. Eh? Anyway, Brent, let us things. let us know if you make any progress there. Uh, you know, agriculture. You say there's plenty of agricultural land, but the, the the reality is, is in Newfoundland and Labrador, we don't have a lot of arable land in this province. So there are specific areas, and one of them is on the Bonavista Peninsula that does happen to have some arable land. And of course, food security is a big issue these days. So uh, you yeah. may not get uh, you know much. Um, uptake on on the idea of building housing on um, on land that's uh, deemed for agriculture, but uh, who knows? Let us know. They've been da- they've been down and checked out that land that I that I'd like to do it on and said it's no good for growing. All right. Well, yeah. Let us know if you make any progress there. We're up to a break right, now. Appreciate right, your time. Thanks for the time. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. We have a few people waiting in the wings, uh, so stay tuned. And we are back. We're going to go now to Charlie. You're on the air. Hello, Charlie. 
Yes, good morning, Linda. How are you this morning? Oh, enjoying this fall fall morning. Uh, you can't beat fall, can you? No, uh, I know an awful lot of people like it. I'm a summer person myself, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, how, how often do I hear people say how much they love the fall? I can't stand heat, but anyway, any, anything between 15 and 20. Anyway, um, I wanted to, to, to talk about two or three items, if I may. Um, a couple of your callers, the, uh, I agree with the guy who said about mask wearing, that they weren't promoting it enough. I think he was spot on there. Uh, a few people were, when you, when you could see out in public, but they're very, very few. I don't... I don't I don't think they, they, they realize the implications of, of not wearing them out in public. And the comment on what Brian said there, uh, Brian, I'll give him credit, he follows the uh, the, the, the American scene and world news. Uh, just, just uh, I thought he had some misinformation there. Uh, he said most of the people in the States... Uh, didn't support the, um, or said that Joe Biden didn't win the election. It was actually the majority of Republicans that say that, uh, not the majority of the people. And um, what was the other one he said there? Uh, I forget now. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, he was talking about Trump being reelected and the, the latest poll that... Uh, that was one poll that said that, an ABC poll, and already that's being discredited as an, an anomaly. Most of the polls show they're kind of neck and neck. But there's no way uh, I don't think the American people at large are going to elect um, a convict to uh, as president. I think he's probably being a little bit too, too worried there, you know? It's interesting, though, and uh, it's, uh, you know, an observation that uh, many have made over the years is that uh, uh, how, um, um, you know, in in mass media, in in on television and in movies and uh, television shows and the and the like, uh, you know, based in the United States, that there seems to be this real celebration of the antihero, um, yeah. you know, someone who breaks all the rules and uh, yet triumphs. Uh, so you see a lot of those types of characters that come to the fore a lot in uh, fictitious stories, you know, movies, like I said, and, and television shows. So I don't know if some of that plays into some of this uh, cult of celebrity, perhaps. Well, th this is what I, I find. People could criticize uh people for watching uh, too much cable and I'm sure that's true but uh, at, at least they're, what they're doing is following a story it's an amazing story between what, what, what they call two warring factions uh, one on one side they, they, they want to keep the nation white they see too much browning another group uh, come from the religious end the abortion uh, people are, uh, and um, the other crowd would be, uh, oh, there's a third group. I just forget them now. But anyway, you, you've got these uh, uh, two warring factions, and uh, to see who's going to win uh, in the end is 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 quite fascinating. So, uh, and and I don't agree with equating Fox News with the other cable channels. The cable channels uh, on the other side, if you like, are, are run by professional people who tell the truth. And when they don't, they apologize. On on Fox, uh, you've already had them uh, paying billions of dollars for lying and so on. So I don't agree with equating uh, putting them all in one. But anyway, uh, I don't know if you want to comment there. I was going to leave that for the next one. No, you go right ahead. Th 
this well-being week, I, it's, it's really good to see see that on the go. You see people walking and so on. But it's kind of like Earth Day. Um, uh, it's like, okay, we celebrated one day to, to raise our awareness. But if you don't keep up, Earth Day to me should be every day. Well-being week should be every week. And uh, again, I fault schools for... Uh, it's the same as building a house. You need all the different tools for building a house. Well, in living this life, you need you need life tools. You need to know how to how to uh, uh, meditate, how to do crafts, how to do creative things, so you can get out of your mind rather than stay in your mind, which can drive you crazy or monkey mind, they call it. And I look at schools. Uh, how many children leave uh, knowing how to how to meditate, and that would be such a value to to them as they as they try to navigate all all the uh, um, troubles that they're going to face in life. Right? How many of them? Uh, so I, I know in some schools are doing this. How many of them learn how to garden to grow their own food? Oh, it's quite a big them, movement uh, in the school system, for instance. There's lots and lots of schools out there that have their own yes. gardens. And in fact, some of them are in cl- in the classroom itself. Yes, some are doing that. Not enough. Uh, that's that's fairly recent, so I, I applaud that. Um, that should be done to me right across the board as, 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 as a given, right? Uh, walking... Uh, just taking them walking on a nice morning, uh, going out, out around the school grounds, picking up garbage. Uh, there's so many ways that that, that that schools can emphasize these life things that, uh, that to me, they would rather have them sit in the classroom as passive people learning about uh, a lot of things that are kind of uh, peripheral. Uh, I won't say Shakespeare is all bad. There's a lot of life lessons, but if the, if the, if, if if meditation got the emphasis that Shakespeare and the like get, uh, we'd probably be a lot better off for it. But anyway, that's uh, that's about all I wanted to say, I guess. All right. Well, I appreciate your uh, input to, this morning, Charlie. Thank you very much. Okay, Lynn. All the best. All righty. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Any thoughts on what he's had to say? By all means, do give us a call. We're going to go now to Michelle. You're on the air. Hello, is it me? Yes, it's you. Oh, hi. Uh, my name is Michelle Worthman. I've knocked on every door in St. John's. I'm uh, that girl that ran for deputy mayor. I don't mean to pronounce myself as an it or that, but it is regurgitated from all of the statements uh, that people hussy around me to try to knock down my confidence which has reduced me down to not being able to even open my back door um, because of the amount of bullying. Now, in my home, which I'm currently residing in Newfoundland and Labrador housing, pretty much losing my mind. Uh, The reason for losing it is because I have been hit with a no-cause eviction. Just prior to that, in January, my son was hit with a no-cause eviction in Killam. Killam, the low, apparently low-income subsidized uh, units that our government money is or was going to um, to house people of low income, uh, such as my son. Now, in my particular issue, I have constantly, over many years, uh, described it as a cult-like mentality with a predetermined mandate to create a paper reality to uh, 
shift the uh, power over to them as they were perversing the laws to protect them as they were causing much harm. So I definitely became a target, not only by those that are currently working in government, but you know, because of what I would describe and would be described in this academia world, it's something called a group think. So because I have been isolated and literally people have uh, followed me as if or someone went to go speak to me, um, they would uh, bully the situation and say, oh, don't talk to her and gossip would go abound. Okay, so, Michelle, I want to back up for a moment because I'm having a little I I'm, yeah, I'm having a little trouble following you here, but um, okay. uh, so you say you've been given a no-cause eviction from Newfoundland and Labrador Housing. What does that mean exactly? A no-cause eviction is they really couldn't come up with a uh, scenario in which to or felt comfortable with giving a reason why I would have been evicted. So by using no-cause, which uh, landlords, private landlords can use, whether they sell the house or they want to increase the value of their rental property, giving someone three months to be able to move out. Um, But I am in Newfoundland and Labrador housing. I have been here for 20 years. And, uh, you know, the same unit? Yes. Okay. And so now you are have been asked to leave. When do you have to go? Well, the no-cause eviction, um, I uh, was given advice because it was a very stressful time. My son uh, just got mugged, uh, had a uh, no-cause eviction, brought all of his stuff in here. Then they went and put the no-cause eviction on top of me, on top of all that. So it's been a scramble, and there was a lot of personality conflicts going on with my son, who is on the Asperger scale, and that is a dynamic uh, on itself. It was a, a very tumultuous time. So he's Um, staying with you? uh, No. Uh, Then he ended up going into another private landlord and uh, had to go on welfare. Um, He is a very bright child and there are things in which he could do. However, I'm having a very difficult time with the Asperger scale. Once he hits that digital world of internet or video games to try to pull him out is uh, definitely a battle, which any mother would be able to understand once you get him in there. It's difficult to get him out, and he's like an addict. So there's been a lot of yelling to try to get him back on focus and get him back on track. It is not the best thing for him to be living with the Internet unsupervised. I can guarantee. So um, are you getting any support? Do you have anybody who helps advocate on your behalf? Uh, No, I do not. Um, Now, like I was saying, I've been describing a lot of witness intimidation. Now, in this particular uh, unit, there has been damage that has been caused by uh, Newfoundland and Labrador housing. It has been... um, brought to my attention, I don't know what way to be able to word it, but the concern for me is um, having government, in my case, can taking a backward bribe and allowing uh, people to purchase it underhanded so they can fill their own back pockets. That okay, again you're making some pretty serious allegations here, Michelle. You well, say damage I'm, has been caused. What? How was the damage caused? Well, there's been um, 
when you are someone who knows how to heal, you're also someone who knows how to harm. There's been um, water. They went and brought the plumber in, and then it, it, it leaked. And they put a hole in the floor. Uh, and I don't know if there's structural damage or not because they put in an HR unit in there, the same as uh, yeah. opening up a window and little things. I mean, I could go on. Uh, you know, it, it. I don't know how to word it because I don't. When it comes to allegations or making myself a further target or having uh, Newfoundland and Labrador housing under review at this time is. I'm frightened to death. Like, I mean, he's talking Shakespeare and the dogs of war, and I can see it everywhere, you know? Okay, like, I'm, I mean. I, again, I'm not really following. Uh, I mean, so what are you going to do now that you've received this eviction? What happens to you? Well, um, I was given wrong advice by Choices for Youth, which was a worker uh, that was working with my son at the time. So I missed the deadline at that time. Um, then I was here, didn't know if the power was going to be cut, if they were going to kick me out, if it was a joke. No one came in and did a property inspection or gave me any reason or logic behind it. Then... Um, I was put, another letter was put on my door, so now I will go to the hearing board on the 24th. They did get my name wrong on the lease and things like that, but after speaking to the residential tenancy board, unless a mistake is done like that, and after speaking to the NDP, they're only just going to keep going back at it and going back at it. So I don't know really what the mandate of Newfoundland and Labrador housing is when it comes to the protection of uh, low-income people and those that are vulnerable, such as myself and my son. I mean, they are really... So you're, you're able to stay to until you get this... Myself. You're able to stay in the unit until you get this uh, figured out, or have you got a deadline that you've got to leave by? Well, they did and uh, give me a date uh, for me to move out. I did not move out. I didn't go to the residential thing because I missed the first 30 days. They put another letter on my door with the actual hearing time with the tenancy board on the 24th. Then at that time, um, what my procedures may be, whether I would get another three months, another 30 days, or now I've heard in the private industry, some people are trying to get to those that they don't want so, there under a five-day one. So um, we, it's a very stressful time. Sure, of course it is. Uh, do you need help navigating all of this? Is there anybody uh, who could help you, uh, you know, meet these uh, dates and times and meetings and all of that sort of thing and, and set you up somewhere? Well, um, there was someone who uh, apparently is supposed to be working under the vise in Newfoundland and Labrador housing as being an eviction coordinator. However, I do not know exactly what this person's role is. When I phoned, I was given uh, wrong phone numbers. It was cold and uh, I... Do you have a social worker, Michelle? Uh, at present, and I do not. For the past six years, I've been uh, subjected to not being able to leave my house. Uh, it's sort of like a Chinese torture tactic that's been placed upon my body with my fingers and toes, which I'm presently trying to get out. It's been a very frightening time. Um, 
uh, I understand that. Um, but uh, it sounds to me like you need someone to help you advocate for you and to help uh, now uh, get you through this process um, I mean you're facing some pretty serious circumstances here and uh, it sounds to me like uh, you're you're get, you're having some trouble uh, getting through this whole uh, uh, w- uh, process if you will so it sounds to me like you need somebody to help you with that um i'm not sure where to go with that but i i think there's uh, quite a few people out there who know exactly who you are um and like i said has a uh, social worker been assigned to you or have you been working with one um um now i am a bigot and okay. I know that makes people uncomfortable. All right. So I'm that might... against social workers in the past, what I feel uh, there are tactics in which used. Personally, and I've been known to say that uh, if the parameters of the paperwork and uh, discussions with social workers, if they were to use the 13 irregular thought processes, they would be deemed a crazy person based upon the parameters in which they work from. Black and white, everything is all or nothing. And I found it uh, abusive and damaging to myself. Yeah. Uh, in my case, I, I, and I've spoken to many others, that when it comes to a social worker and the, the use and power struggles of how some government uh, workers may use them um, to just, okay, a social worker nothing can happen until a social worker comes up and then we got to stop and wait until they get permission yeah because they 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 can help you they they understand the process better than i do and they're certainly probably better than you do um uh, i tell you what uh dave tells me he has some phone numbers uh that he might be able to give you are uh, can i do you mind if i put you on hold and he can give you a few phone numbers uh, no, I, I do not. But at the end of the day, it is also the cost effectiveness of this. I mean, I've been in this house 20 years. Me and my son have gone through the system. I certainly feel that work is the best therapy. When it comes to uh, low-income housing, by doing and allowing Newfoundland and Labrador housing to be doing this milly-willy or to be left in a circumstance on checked is dangerous okay michelle unfortunately we have to leave it there i'm well overdue for a break now but uh i can put you on hold and uh dave can give you a couple of phone numbers to to try um and uh um it it's important that you try to be open to people who are trying to help you and i understand that you have some doubts about that that uh process but uh Sorry. There is no doubt that people people do want to help. So if you don't mind, I'm I'm going to put you on hold if if that's okay with you. And the next voice you will hear will be Dave's. Okay. All right. Uh, Put her on hold there now, Dave. She's right there. And um, I am going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings. And we are back on VOCM Open Line. We're going to go now to Rob. You're on the air. Hi, Rob. Hey, good morning, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Thanks. It, it, It amazes me how many people still call in the open line and talk about American politics and uh, Fox News and CNN, et cetera, et cetera. And when you can tune into open line every day, 
and we're so overwhelmed with our own problems here that we can't even get all the problems addressed in a week. It amazes me, you know, uh, I said to one guy the other day at Irving, I said, uh, he had a, a head on a, is it mega? Yeah, make a mirror, one of Donald Trump's heads anyway. And I said to him, as you know, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, not, neither one of these people are going to solve our housing problems. They're not going to fill up our carts with our expensive groceries. And they're not going to gas up your car. I, why do you waste so much time talking about American politics? Maybe you got an interest into it. But we have so many problems in this province that you probably should focus on what we got to go through first. What we're dealing with here, yeah. Absolutely. It amazes me just how many people are wrapped up in us, you know, those two people, when they have really no bearing on us about what happens here. Anyway, I had, to, I had to get that off my chest because it's still, uh, it, it amazes me why people are so wrapped up in, in, in those two guys. You had a caller earlier calling and she had, I believe I got a bit of the conversation, but she was a, what appeared to be a, a, a severe asthmatic, maybe? Yes, she was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to share a story of my own, and my heart goes out to her because I know I, I had a son with, uh, he had cancer as a child. And thank God he's he's considered cured now. Uh, we spent over 500 nights as inpatients in the Janeway while he went through his cancer treatments. Oh, dear. And uh, <clears throat> I ran into issues with people smoking outside the facility, not just in the parking lot, but near the door where it's clearly marked where you can't, you know, a big yet there's a big blue circle with a cigarette in the middle with an X through it and there's signs up do not smoke and you got children coming in and out of it the Janeway. Some of them which obviously got asthma, you can tell because they're coughing. My child is coming out, he had cancer going back and forth. These people are smoking right here in this area. Now I can't even tell you the the anger that causes inside parents or people who are involved with uh, children who are very ill. Sometimes it gets very tense, and it gets worse, especially when you call security about the issue and say, "Listen, I got a child who's an oncology patient, going back and forth. People are smoking right here in the entrance." The first thing they say is, "Well, we really can't do anything about it." What? We really can't do anything about it. So can't you call? No, the police won't respond. But I said, you can write a ticket on my car. But you can't go Oh, we go over to the smoker and tell them to please move. But beyond that, if they don't, if they don't there's nothing we can do. Which gets me to the point of the new legislation about smoking in your car or smoking on the property. That I guess the government has just come out with. Apparently... You know, this has been uh, a rule for a long time, uh, especially from my experience being at the Jane Weirder or the Health Sciences Center, that, that area. You could never, I mean, you can't, you couldn't smoke on their property. There's uh, recordings that play overhead that said no smoking on Eastern Health at the time at, on their property. But it occurred every day with law enforcement watching and with, with no repercussion. And that gets me to a point of, you know, sometimes we hear on your news or we hear someone has been picked up and they got $15,000 for the fines. $15,000 for the fines for speeding never happened overnight. It's cumulative. So what I, the point I'm getting at is if you, if you pass a law and you tell people you can't smoke it, 
in your vehicle or you can't smoke on a property. And that's a rule or it's a law. And you don't enforce it. Why even make it? It makes no sense to me. And that's a question that a lot of people find themselves asking. If we have rules and regulations, if we have laws, and there are no consequences to those laws, then the laws mean nothing. Right. Which and it and that's what uh, is happening with and you know this this poor girl calling. Nobody knows what it's like to try to draw your wind and not be able to get your breath. And then yet you got somebody who, who lacks cool or common sense. That okay, I smoke fine. I got nothing against smoke or smoke. But my God, you're up in the area of an entrance or an exit of a, of a health facility. Nobody in the Janeway or the hospital coming out. They're in there because they're sick. They're not in there for a concert. So use common sense and move away from the entrance. The issue I got is this new law says now you can't smoke in your car. What does that mean? You're not enforcing people smoking on the property, let alone smoking in their vehicle. So why are you even going all the way to the left or the right side or whatever you might call it, the language they use today, and put, excuse me, and put it forward to say, now you can't smoke in your car. But you're not talking about the people that are smoking on the property, stood up in front of people. Like, and it's patients out with oxygen, smoking. And the security guard stood up looking at him and says, I can't do anything about it. So, you know, okay, I'll ask the health minister. I know they listen over there. Address this. Why do you not enforce this? Why do my child, who has cancer, have to walk through that that you say can't happen and put his life at risk when he's already trying to beat cancer? Yes, how, do, how does one person's rights trump another's? Right. And like I said, it's probably a group of people that lack either common sense or they don't care. I don't know. But I smoked once. I wouldn't stand up in front of a healthcare facility and smoke. I would move away. That's just me. But obviously it doesn't apply to anybody. Anyway, that was my first issue. It's, it's obviously a question I'd like to hear is why... Okay, you got the rules. Why are they not being enforced? Why do you not enforce it? Why do I have a uh, entity telling me I can write you a ticket for an expired meter, but I can't do anything about the smoker? Yeah. But yet the smoking is so over, it's so well emphasized that you can't do it. We won't tolerate it. But yet, don't go up to those people. So is that a slippery slope? Is that something, uh, probably stay away from that. I don't know. So what is it about us? Is the question I have about that. Rob, you're raising a very good point. We'll see what others have to say. I really appreciate your time. Yes, if I can have one quick point I'd like to make, Linda. Very quickly, because I'm overdue for a break. Sure. I wanted to ask, uh, I called in before about the sugar tax. I happen to be a diabetic and I'm on continuous glucose monitoring. I called in a while back about the money being collected. I know in the beginning the, uh, the sugar tax or the, well, it was being collected to assist people who had to have continuous glucose monitoring or they are diabetics. I know they collected $14 million last year. I asked the question, where is that money gone? Or why is it not being used in patients like me who require $6,000 a year to continuously monitor my glucose when insurance refuses covered? I never got the question answered. I'd like to know why this this money hasn't been utilized for what it's being collected for. 
So, Linda, thanks. Thanks we'll for your time. We'll put that question out there. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. All righty. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk hot water boilers. Stay tuned. And we're back. We're going to go now to the caller on line one. Hello. Good morning. How are you this morning? All right. So let me start off first with saying that uh, around the 15th of uh, August, there had to be someone come to, uh, I'm calling on behalf of someone else, not myself. Someone had to, uh, had to come, a landlord had to come and to uh, shut off a hot water boiler from the circuit breaker because you're making too much noise, rattling noise and, and sizzling. So, and he came back next day and I guess uh, the person that worked for this guy or a plumber, he put off a high pressure release valve, which uh, releases the pressure from the, well, I'm not going to get into that anyway. So, so see, from, the, from that time until the light bills came this time, her light bill went from $68.06 to $147.64, which that makes it exactly 117% jump. And yesterday, uh, this guy had to come back and put another pressure release valve onto the hot water boiler. And uh, she was talking to the flame power, like I say, uh, nothing, nothing changed from uh, her habits. Like I say, no extra, there's no extra things being burned. No heat on. No, no, no. Well, if if there was heat on, no bill's not going to go up 117 percent. So, from last year, bill, which is which is uh, which which is right. Last bill, uh, there was 12 kilowatts burned at the same month. Same amount of days last year, and uh, she burned 342 kilowatts, uh, same time last month, last year, and she burned 890 this time. So, my assumption there is that uh, is that the, the, the thermostat in that hot water boiler is not cutting out. So, I dropped by and uh, took the kilowatts off of the meter at 1 p.m., 1 p.m. and went back yesterday 1 p.m. That meter went from 520 to 570. There's no way in God's wow. creation that he, 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 he burned 50 kilowatts in 24 hours with not none, you know. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a that's a huge amount of um, power being used there. So um, I suppose what you're trying to say is that this hot water boiler needs to be replaced. That's exactly, but like you say, if anybody would have a bit of common sense at all, because like you say, if one of them the uh, high-pressure release valve uh, lets go, you know what's going to happen there. But then he came back yesterday and, and, and put another new one back within 30 days, so I don't think he was thinking there the right the right thing. The only thing to do is to re- put a new hot water bottle there before something happens. And like, like you say, a light bill 6806. Went from that to one hundred forty-seven dollars, and the same time last year he was he, like he said he only burned twelve kilowatts and and and, and uh, twelve kilowatts per day, you know it's, uh, that's what I'm trying to explain. I was talking to a I talking to a plumber and the plumber said there's only one or two things. Like see when the pressure builds up, then you, then the, then the release valve is going to let go of the, the pressure. Then he's going to build up, build up, build up again. Actually, that thermostat is not cutting out whatsoever. Right, so, so that's in there boiling and boiling and boiling. Exactly. But then try to get them through some people's tick head. 
So have you mentioned this to the landlord or has anybody mentioned this to the landlord that that uh, hot water boiler has to go? Well, he, he should. Like I said, the guy, the, the guy that come in and, and put the, re, re, the, the the valve on yesterday, like I say, he should have went. He should have went and said no. He said this this this, uh, this got this uh, hot water bottle got replaced before something something do really happen. It's not me. If I was in the situation, to be hot water bottle there. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's a senior citizen and we can't speak for ourselves. If it were me, to be hot water bottle there. Are you able to advocate on their behalf? Uh, I can in a way, but uh, 99% want to want to do it. Not me, but like I say, is, uh, all you got to do is comment. And like I say, is uh, I was just talking to a Donna Plummer. He said, uh, yeah, I said, what's going to happen? He said, uh, like, it's, it's like a term set in your car. If you're on a highway, if you term set your car sticks, your car is going to overball, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to overheat. Well, the same thing. What's going on with that one? If anybody, if, if Buddy had the common sense to realize it, unless he realized it and, and to want to put a hot water bottle in. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting uh, situation. Hopefully, uh, the landlord understands that there's something really fishy going on there. I mean, obviously, you've been uh, concerned enough that you've been checking the meter and, and the like. So are you able yeah. to make a phone call on this person's behalf? I'll see you today, Linda. Man, like I, uh, uh, like I say, I'll be talking to. And um, if you want a question answered, you don't go and ask a mechanic. You ask as a plumber. Forty-nine years experience, right? Yeah. Right. And that's who I asked. He said, "But me, if I had to come, if I had to come, he said, if, if a service call alone, and then he says, I'm supposed to hot water boiler." Well, that seems like an excessive amount of power being used in a very wow. short period of time. If yes, nothing's well, changed. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, from from the, from the middle of uh, middle of August until the light bill come around. So, you know, like I say, uh, you know, the, really the light bill should on last year. Last year, the light bill this time was seventy one dollars. There was three hundred fifty kilowatts burn, uh, something, something like that, and that, and now he's almost nine hundred. You know, so I also hope he gets a. Is anybody out there listening to this? Uh, Little talk, uh, if it's a plumber or contractor, you can certainly call in and I'll have the airwaves on, you know. But I think I'm. Uh, you I think, think you're I'm, onto something? I think I'm, I'm well, I'm quite knowledgeable person, but I know it's right from wrong. I know that uh, if the third time could be unlucky, that, uh, that that valve may stick and then you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Um, no. Caller, I appreciate this. Uh, hopefully, somebody listens and can give you the answers you're looking for. Well, the, the 49-year-old plumber gave me the answer. Now i got to go back to them. Right on. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. And we are up to uh, news time now. Um, um, the numbers to call um, are all out there. 273-521-1866-590-8626. <laughs> Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News talk on your VOCM. 
And we're back. Linda Swain in for the final hour of VOCM Open Line in for Patty Daly, who will be back tomorrow. And of course, just listening to Allison King doing the forecast there and all the uh, smoke advisories in place uh, throughout Newfoundland and Labrador, it really is extraordinary. Like I say, when we got the advisory yesterday that uh, there was going to be a problem with uh, smoke throughout the area, we were all sort of taken aback by that because uh, although this has been the worst season on record for wildfires across Canada, uh, there hadn't been anything really of note to speak of uh, recently or nothing that was, you know, immediately grabbing headlines. Of course, there are fires that are burning in uh, Canada's great boreal forests, uh, you know, at any given time, nowhere near populated areas that a lot of us may not even know about. And certainly that could be the case here. Anyway, this is smoke from uh, wildfires um, um, in uh, uh, places as far away as British Columbia that is uh, reaching us now. And it is quite uh, noticeable in many areas. So if you happen to be out and about and outdoors, and uh, particularly those who may be vulnerable in any way when it comes to uh, breathing, uh, be aware of that. Uh, try not to uh, overly exert yourself and uh, maybe uh, stay out of the uh, smoky conditions for the time being. Well, this is rather amusing. Uh, this one grab my attention. A court has ordered a Danish artist who submitted two blank canvases uh, entitled Take the Money and Run to repay about $70,000 for violating his contract. A museum in northern Denmark commissioned Jens Hanning in 2021 to recreate two of his earlier pieces featuring banknotes attached to canvases representing the average annual wage in Denmark and Austria. Instead, he uh, produced these two blank canvases, named them Take the Money and Run, and collected his $70,000. Well, Hanning's lawyer says the artist is appealing the ruling and has denied committing a crime and insists he did in fact produce a work of art and uh, uh, art is a subjective as you know uh, but uh, I found that uh, particularly uh, of note and amusing. Uh, we are awaiting uh, a call, I understand, from the uh, office of the health minister, uh, and uh, we are going to put, be putting a number of questions to him now in the next few minutes. Uh, so right now, our lines are open. If you have any thoughts that you want to share with us, by all means, do give us a call. And do you know anything about hot water boilers? Is it uh, a sign that the hot water boiler needs to go if your uh, light bill has suddenly increased dramatically over a very short period of time and it has to be uh, the pressure valve has to be released every so often uh, one would think that means that the um, the element in there is uh, not turning off uh, anyway uh, the gentleman called to find out uh, what people have to say about that and if anyone has any information to share um, uh, we have um, the what else is happening this is uh, rather interesting uh, Scottish authorities have approved a multi-million pound drug consumption room it's the first government back place in the UK where users can 
can take illegal drugs such as cocaine and heroin under supervision by medical staff. Local officials in the Scottish city of Glasgow on Wednesday approved the 2.3 million pound or 2.8 million dollar facility. The project was first proposed in 2016 following an HIV outbreak in Glasgow among people who injected drugs in public places. It's backed up by the Scottish government but some lawmakers have raised concerns about the impact on local residents and businesses. Proponents say evidence from more than 100 similar facilities worldwide show that they work to save lives and reduce overall costs to health services. Uh, and in other words, I imagine a safe injection site. We've seen those in some areas of Canada, particularly in British Columbia. Uh, if anybody has any thoughts on that, they're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going out to beautiful Hearts Content now to speak with Tolson Randall. Hello, Tolson. Yes, hello, Linda. How are you today, mate? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good, thanks. Yeah, there is quite an amount of smoke in the air today all over. There's no question about that, but... Uh that's not the reason why I'm con. I'm con uh, about cell phone coverage again because right. uh, we had a delegation here. As you know, we're in the process of uh, becoming a UNESCO town down the road somewhere within the next X number of years because of uh, the World Heritage the cable station here in Valencia, Ireland, Hartsconnect, Newfoundland. But there was people here at the time, again, uh, pushing the issue because uh, cell phone coverage is an issue it's not only a, a issue for people that that's paying for these phones every month, but it's a it's a thing that should be done because of medical emergencies and whatever. It, it's it's a global thing. It's not only a, a, oh, a New vital. Zealand or a Canadian thing. It's vital this day this day and age. How how many people still have uh, you know home phones? We'll say this is why we have to have new uh, area codes because uh, of the proliferation of phones. Instead of one phone in for a family in a house, uh, now every member of the family has a phone. Yeah, I hate to be bringing it up all the time, but I guess it's like the old saying, I know I've been on council in Hartscon Hank going on 22 years, and that was one of the big issues that I ran with and on because uh, of the, the situation. I mean, you know, it's vital that we have it everywhere, not only in one place or two places, but every. You could be in your bedroom laid down, or you could be out in boat, or you could be, I don't care where you're at, you should be able to get cell phone coverage. Absolutely. Right. But no, that's, I just want to stress, and we had, like I said, we had a delegation there in August, and they had a beautiful time while they were here. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to what's going to become but, uh, somewhere down the road. But it's uh, it's a vital thing to have. And when you think about that they put a submarine cable in, in 1866 under the ocean and in 1858 under the ocean made connections, and now this day and age, uh, 2023 going toward 2024 and having that coverage, it's just not right. Yeah, it's uh, pretty ironic, I would, uh, I would say, uh, to um, bring down a delegation to look at the historic significance of those connections, uh, those communication connections, only to find out that they have no communication connections. Well, there is so much about Ireland and Hartskin Hent. Uh, even over there, the same thing when I was over in 2014, there's places you couldn't get it. And I think it's the same over there today. But uh, having said that, they got two things in common that we got. They got a lighthouse. They got a lovely lighthouse there on Valencia Island. And they got a cable station. But I'll tell you what, it's 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 unbelievable to think that, uh, you know, and, and I, I stress this to everybody, one wouldn't be here without the other one. Absolutely That's, not. You know, yeah. it's no good to try to get one to make a connection. You have to have two of them because one won't work without the other one. It never did, and I don't see why it will now. Tolson, I appreciate your call this morning. Thank you Any very much. Money, I figure you were using up some time there. I just put a plug in, and everything is a help as far as I'm concerned. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. 
For sure. I really thank appreciate your call, Tolson. Thank you. Thank you, Linda Alvarez. Take care. Alrighty. Stay safe. Bye bye. Um, yeah, imagine now um, uh, putting bringing over a delegation to talk about the communication connections made back in the 1860s, uh, only to find out that you have no communication connection because you don't have cell phone coverage. Just imagine uh, the irony. Uh, we are going to go now to uh, Tom Osborne, the health minister, right after the break. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And we are back. We're going to go now to the Minister of Health, Tom Osborne. Hello. Hey, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Brian, thanks. Uh, four quick reasons for my call. First of all, and probably most importantly today, uh, my mother-in-law, uh, it's her birthday, and she is a loyal, loyal listener to Open Line, going back to uh, Ron Pumphrey and Bill Rowe. So I know she's listening in. Oh, excellent. So hello to her. Yes, so Rose Whalen out in Capelin Cove. So I'm sure hopefully she'll get some calls from other listeners uh, that are listening and and call her to wish her a happy birthday. Wonderful. Happy birthday, Rose. So, uh, Linda, a couple of things. Um, Just wanted to inform listeners uh, the expansion of the orthopedic surgeries that we're doing. Uh, we've uh, announced an expansion in the Carbonier. Uh, that is now happening. Uh, surgeries have taken place in Carbonier. Um, it's aimed at, at making it more accessible to individuals throughout the province and shortening the wait list or at least uh, preventing it from growing with an aging population. So delighted to say that uh, that uh, program is now up and running in Carbonier. Is it helping uh, because, uh, you know, the, the, the big bulk, I suppose, of the population is on the Avalon Peninsula? And I, I happen to know somebody who is awaiting a, a knee replacement surgery, and they were telling me the other day, they said, sure, how am I supposed to get to Carbonier? i got to wait for Saint to get my surgery done in St. John's, and they're still on the waiting list. Absolutely. So, I mean, we have an aging population uh, that is certainly adding to the pressures in in terms of orthopedic surgeries. But we started doing same-day joint replacement uh, in the province. Um, That's been very successful. We've added uh, capacity in St. Anthony, which has been very successful. Now in Carbonier, you know, we're... we're, uh, looking at uh, improvements in Gander and on the West Coast in terms of orthopedic surgeries. So, you know, all of these are certainly taking the pressure off of increasing the list uh, with an aging population. But eventually, um, you know, we'll we'll start seeing reductions in the wait list as well. Uh, We've got competing factors. The aging population is certainly meaning that we have more people who require a joint replacement. Uh, for sure. So the, the a good uptake so far? Yeah, it is. Uh, St. Anthony has been very successful. Uh, we have a capacity of doing 140 surgeries in St. Anthony on an annual basis. In Carbonier, um, we're estimating that it'll be uh, well over 200 surgeries a year, uh, the capacity there. And the same-day joint replacement uh, at St. Clair's, for example, has certainly been successful. Uh, you know, individuals no longer require uh, staying in an acute care bed if, if their surgery is successful. Uh, they're able to get in and out on the same day. And patients uh, who've gone through it, uh, by and large, are saying that uh, it's been a very successful program. 
So what else is happening? So I am calling on the the federal government to uh, look at their carbon pricing, um, Linda. And it, I mean, it, I know it's it's unusual, uh, you know, to have a, a, a provincial liberal saying that they want the federal liberals to have another look at this. In in this province, we put a number of initiatives in place uh, targeted at. Uh, helping with the cost of living, whether it's lowering uh, the price of gas at the pump by over eight cents, uh, uh, the home heating supplement, uh, elimination of retail sales tax on home insurance or vehicle registrations. The list goes on and on on what we've done, but it's being overshadowed uh, by the, the carbon pricing by the federal government. Uh, that carbon pricing means that, you know, gas is more expensive, for example. I haven't met anybody who said that they're driving less because gas is more expensive. Uh, but, you know, the, the carbon pricing also means whether you're buying a bag of apples or, you know, whatever. Food is more expensive in grocery stores because the carbon pricing impact. Uh, furniture is more expensive because, it, you know, of, of the carbon pricing impact. Um, we all agree that we need to tackle climate change. Um, and, you know, maybe the policy uh, can be revisited. But during this time post-COVID, where the cost of, of everything has increased because of COVID, uh, the timing is just not right to have carbon pricing today. Uh, it's putting so much pressure on individuals in the province. It is really... Uh, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's difficult, uh, regardless of, of what income range you're in, uh, it has increased the cost of everything for everybody. And, uh, you know, the timing is just not right. Let's revisit it and, and maybe look at it at, at a later, later time when the cost of, of everything, uh, which has increased because of COVID, uh, goes back to a, norm, a more normal state. And you've got these th- two um, very uh, competing factors, you know, at odds here. You've got uh, inflation, which is going through the roof, ostensibly for a number of reasons, but um, uh, carbon taxes are not helping that matter. And you've got, uh, on the other side, the Bank of Canada, which is increasing to raise interest rates to cool inflation, but in- inflation's not going anywhere. Uh, and so people are getting squeezed on every level, and that's got to have an impact on people's health, their mental health, uh, every aspect of a person's life, whether they're feeling stress or whether they're able to uh, eat properly. Absolutely. And, you know, so we talk about the social determinants of health. Uh, It is so important that, you know, healthy food is affordable, uh, that you know, individuals can afford to live. I'm also concerned, I mean, obviously the interest rates, and I know our Premier has, has written the Bank of Canada on that as well. It, it is designed to control inflation, but there's the concern of individuals who have to renew mortgages and, and the cost of uh, their mortgage payments going up in, in uh, a world where the cost of everything has gone up and the impact that that's going to have on individuals. Well, indeed, uh, you know, even uh, landlords raising um, the rental rates uh, to meet their mortgage payments, if you know what I'm saying, um, it, it has impacts everywhere. So we've got this vicious circle. It is so it appears. And I know I'm oversimplifying this. Uh, but, um, you know, where does it all end and, and where does the responsibility lie in trying to uh, get all of this under control and helping ordinary citizens? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So if I got time for one more item? Absolutely. All right. I appreciate that. So we, you know, we've put extensive effort into recruitment and retention in Newfoundland and Labrador as well. Uh, but, you know, we, we have tried to ensure every province in Canada is facing a shortage of, of health professionals. Um, and we've tried to ensure that uh, while we have incentives in this, Canada, uh, in this province, the most attractive in Canada, um, you know, it is, it is uh, focused certainly on bringing people back home, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians who have moved elsewhere. But we haven't gone on the ground in other provinces and openly, directly um, on the ground put recruitment teams in place and held events. Um, and, you know, it's certainly our hope that no province in Canada is on the ground in that sort of way competing for healthcare professionals. But uh, Saskatchewan is in this province uh, now recruiting. Uh, I did reach out to the minister in Saskatchewan and, and ask them to reconsider um, uh, that, uh, you know, as a result, uh, Linda, we are going to Saskatchewan and we're going there in force uh, and for two reasons. A, you know, we, we can't let Saskatchewan coming to this province go unchecked. Um, but secondly, to to let every other province in Canada know, um, don't come here. We won't uh, go on the ground in your province. But if you come here, we are going to go there. We have to. We cannot leave it unchecked. So we are heading to Saskatchewan for a recruitment mission, um, you know, in, in response to the fact that they're coming here. And uh, so how do we compete with Saskatchewan then? I mean, is this just going to start a, a whole new precedent where all the provinces say, well, the heck with this, we're just going for it? No, quite the contrary. I think I think if uh, our incentives are, are uh, you know, the most attractive in Canada, I think if we go to Saskatchewan, we have something, you know, very tangible to offer, uh, but we haven't gone on the ground. So I think, you know, most provinces have respected that. Uh, you know, I, I believe all have. We haven't had uh, provinces coming here, you know, openly and, and forcefully looking to recruit. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if Saskatchewan is coming here, we have no choice but to, to go there. We can't leave it unchecked. But I do believe, you know, uh, I'm, I'm meeting with my provincial and federal counterparts uh, next week or uh, the week after next. And, you know, I, I do believe that this sends a message uh, to every province that if you come here, we are going there and we have more attractive incentives. So please don't. Let's not start this. Uh, you know, let's not start competing with each other. We're all competing for healthcare professionals. We don't have to be on the ground in each other's provinces. We're almost up to news time, but I do do want to ask you two quick items. Uh, you're talking about recruitment and retention. Of course, we have a, a team in India now um, uh, trying to recruit nurses to this province, but we've uh, seen uh, the news unfold in the last little while over this uh, very serious diplomatic rift between Canada and India. Is that affecting recruitment efforts there? Do you still have a team there? Are they going to be forced to come home? And, and will it impact your recruitment efforts there? 
So there are uh, folks on the ground in India. Uh, I believe they're able to stay. Uh, we did have um, a group from this province, and India has an abundance of nurses. Uh, you know, the, the the agencies that we're dealing with in India uh, are sanctioned by the government there, um, and uh, you know they they are looking to export nurses uh, because they have uh, an abundance of nurses there. So we are. Um, we're certainly uh, continuing recruitment efforts in India, uh, but one of the one of the uh, things that will make it a little more challenging because of the visas. Uh, so a virtual uh, recruitment is taking place, uh, you know, and and they're gearing up for virtual recruitment to replace the mission that was going to go there or supposed to be there this week and and next, I think. Um, but we do understand from the agencies uh, that recruitment and uh, you know the, the uh, employment offers that are going out to nurses are still taking place. Uh, we are watching uh, the diplomatic interaction between the two countries closely, uh, but we're certainly hopeful uh, that that will be resolved sooner rather than later. Uh, but recruitment efforts continue. Uh, so, uh, um, I mean, nurses still willing to come here even though they know that they uh, will not have a visa to return to India? Yeah, uh, they, you know, eventually I think that uh, hopefully that uh, will resolve itself. But we are getting nurses still accepting employment offers uh, to Canada. Uh, there are uh, Indian nurses that certainly want to make Canada home. And, uh, you know, the, the, the offers are continuing to uh, be made and, and accepted. And uh, we had a caller earlier today asking about the continuous glucose monitoring program. Where is that going right now? Uh, we know that we're collecting uh, money from the sugar tax. Um, what can you tell us about the continuous glucose monitoring program and how it is uh, available, uh, its availability to people here in Newfoundland and Labrador? Absolutely. And I'm delighted with the funding that is being provided uh uh, to the continuous glucose monitoring program, um, you know, through uh, the the sugar uh, tax, it you know that is what that was intended to do. Uh, you know, so kudos to Minister uh, Cody for uh, providing the funding uh, from that pot for the continuous glucose monitoring. That program, we will have more to say on that in the very very near future. Um, uh, you know, we are. Uh, uh, about to, to provide some greater detail on that program, uh, but the work has uh, been on, ongoing in terms of the continuous glucose monitoring program, um, and we're still focused on uh, on that program. I believe, uh, you know, it's a pilot. Um, it was announced in last year's budget uh, for a segment, uh, an age group segment of the population. Uh, but I'm certain that it will bring a better quality of life to individuals. Uh, you know, that certainly our understanding and our hope. And, you know, we will look at expansion of that program in future years uh, through the, the funding that's been provided. Tom Osborne, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you very much, Linda. Very much appreciated. And again, uh, happy birthday to uh, Rose May Whalen in Cape Cove. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we are up to news time. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. We have some uh, calls in the lineup, but uh, now is your chance to give us a call.
Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. And we're back, Linda Swain, with you into the last half hour of the program, sitting in for Patty Daly. Patty will be back tomorrow. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Alison King just mentioning the uh, the smoke advisors there across the province, and you can really smell it. Uh, I was just out in the uh, hallways and came back into uh, the open line booth that we have here, and it's got like an HVAC system that um, blows in air from the outdoors. And wow, I didn't realize until I came back into the room uh, how much I can smell the smoke even in here. Uh, so it is very pervasive. So uh, uh, just be aware of that. Anybody who might uh, have any number of breathing issues or whatever the case may be, um, uh, take that under advisement. And uh, most people who uh, suffer from uh, particular breathing issues already know how to conduct themselves. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad out there. We're going to go now to Tommy. You're on the air. Hello, Linda. Hello, Tommy. Yes, I just got, just going to reflect on that while you're just talking about there about the, the smoke getting in your office there. I had to turn. I got the breathing issues myself, and uh, COPD, and I had to turn off the uh, air exchanger in my house yesterday. I said because you can smell it in the house. Wow, so yeah, it's... With bre- yeah. Anybody with breathing issues, you should get onto that and switch after. It's only for a couple of days until it goes. Yeah, we're hoping for some uh, from some breezes, I suppose, to uh, push yes. this stuff out. But uh, it's really extraordinary. Yeah. Well, what I was talking about is I was listening to a gentleman earlier. They were talking about the healthcare facilities walking in there and, and breathing in that tobacco smoke. I mean, I, I goes into the hospital fairly frequently, you know, for different things. And, and when I, like, St. Clair's is the worst. You walk in there, you're in a tunnel when you're going into the main entrance. And I had to hold my breath and try to hold long enough to get into the door. Because they're outside the door smoking cigarettes, they're smoking marijuana, and I don't think they should be allowed. I think they should move them off to the sidewalk somewhere. And the same thing at the health signs. They're out there, but the health signs are not as bad because they're over in the parking lot. But you can walk around in. But then when you're going into the main entrance, you got to walk right into the smoke. I don't know if you're, if you're Right, on that, that narrow, way, right? Uh, on that narrow... Um, um Walkway, sidewalk. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There's a canopy there. Yeah. Now, I want to know if you can remember the old Grace Hospital. Oh yes, yeah. The old, yeah, the old Grace Hospital before they tore it down. They had a they had a, a casino out on the back on the side of it, and that's where all the people had to go to smoke their cigarettes. And it was perfect because you go into the main entrance and there's no one out in front of the door smoking. And I think if they're not going to do anything enforced law, I think they should put something there that they can all go in this one room and blow their lungs apart. Because, I mean, it's not good for people that got issues going in to get stuff done and they got to breathe through that, walk through that cloud of smoke. Right, make it like a designated outdoor smoking area uh, that's away from main entrances. That's right, yes, like a little casino. They can get in out the weather. So they're, at the, you know, they're at the hospital and, and, and Sinclair. They're hiding in under that casino, out of the rain and the wind and whatever. And they got nowhere to go, I guess. So they got to blow up, the, you know, and a lot of them are patients. And they got to have a cigarette, I guess. I don't think it from that, but there should be a better, better system in place that they can go and have their cigarette, right? Well, Tommy, I'm glad you uh, called to uh, share that with us today. Thank you so much. Yes, no problem. Thanks for having me, Linda. All righty. Bye. Uh, we are going to go now to Stuart. Hello, Stu. Hey, Linda. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. 
Uh, you had a gentleman on earlier at some property, and uh, he can't seem to get no help to get it to develop it uh, to build it for building, uh, I guess, apartments or uh, housing for people, you know. Uh, and uh, my number, if he's listening, my number is 695 uh, 5644. Uh, when it comes to land, <clears throat> excuse me, that's in private hands, towns or cities actually have no authority over uh, what people do on their land. As long as they're not trespassing on anybody else's rights, they're fine. Yeah, he's, um, he's of course, uh, just outside of town, if uh, memory serves, and um, his land is designated as agricultural land. Yeah, and like you said, the land has also been deemed uh, uh, not good for farmland. And, and if, he, if, if he owns this land, then he can do what he like with it. For instance, there's a case where... In Ontario, years ago, it's called the Ontario Attorney General versus Round Tree Beats Association, <clears throat> and that covers everything, everywhere, when it comes to uh, private lands. Her Majesty, <clears throat> the Queen, or King, which we have now, uh, in right of Ontario, and that applies to every province, <clears throat> has no right, title, or interest in and to the lands described. So, if you got private property. Nobody can come on to come on to your property and tell you what to do with it. As long as you're not interfering with anybody else's rights, you're free to do so. Uh, we can look at a few other things uh, as well. Uh, there's another famous case. Not many people know, but I say it's famous. For me, I know all about it. Uh, Mercer versus the Ontario General. It goes back to 1883, something like that. Uh, when it comes to Crown Land, now I gotta chuckle at this because when I hear the word Crown Land, I just chuckle because there's no such thing as Crown Land. Okay, the courts have already settled the issue. Uh, Her Majesty, again, let's go over now to His Majesty, is a trustee of the land, holds the land in trust for the people as a trustee. Trustees do not have rights over the beneficiaries, which is basically what they've done though, because they flipped that and made themselves. Uh, uh, master of, of, uh, over everything they see. So, you know, just common sense and, and research will tell anybody that it wants a piece of land, uh, the Crown can't stop them. There's another case where a guy had trouble getting his land put into uh, uh, his private name, and the Crown said, no, we got priority over everything. But the judge said, no, no, you don't. And you've got to pay that man his court costs. And the land will be put into his name, no cancellation fees, no nothing for anything. So, you know, so if this gentleman would like to call me if he's listening, I'd be more than happy to uh, help him out. It's not necessarily legal advice. It's just uh, some common sense. People need to do some research and, uh, you know, carry on with their lives. Anyway, you have a great day and lovely, sh- great show. All right, uh, Stuart, thank you very much. Yeah, take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Uh, and any thoughts on that, you're welcome to give us a call. Uh, and the uh, provincial government uh, issuing a warning to um, other provinces don't p- 
poach our health care workers. Saskatchewan apparently on the ground here trying to uh, uh, lure health care workers back to that province and is sort of an unwritten agreement between the provinces that the, they uh, wouldn't do that. Um, but uh, Newfoundland and Labrador is throwing down the gauntlet saying, okay, you want to come here and get our health care workers? We're going there and getting yours. Uh, any thoughts on that? By all means, do give us a call. Uh, we have a few lines open. Now is your chance to get on the show just before the uh, end of the program. Uh, here are the numbers to do so. And we're back on VOCM Open Line. Uh, now is your chance to give us a call towards the uh, last few minutes of the show if you want to get on before um, we uh, call it quits for today. <laughs> now is the opportunity that you have to do so. Well, um, uh, Tom Osborne, very interesting there. Uh, Newfoundland and Labrador taking a very uh, hard-nosed stand on uh, a couple of items, uh, not the least of which is... Uh, asking the federal government once again to uh, have another look at its uh, carbon pricing policy, which, uh, as um, uh, Tom Osborne indicated, is having an impact on just about every aspect of our lives, uh, people realistically not reducing uh, their um, uh, consumption of carbon, uh, you know, ordinary citizens just driving around, getting from uh, point A to point B, um, but it is having a dramatic impact on the price of everything from groceries to furniture to vehicles, for that matter. Uh, so uh, if anybody has any thoughts on that, they're welcome to give us a call. Also, this whole idea of recruitment and retention, the entire country uh, facing this shortage of uh, doctors, physicians, um, healthcare professionals, nurses, registered nurses, PCAs, the whole gamut. And... Um, Traditionally, um, we recruit outside of the country for those positions, um, but uh, apparently Saskatchewan is on the ground here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and that is not sitting well with the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, as Tom Osborne just uh, clearly said, you know, you want to do that? All right, the gloves are off. We're going to Saskatchewan. <laughs> uh, so if you have any thoughts on that, you are welcome to give us a call. Give me a little direction here now, David. Uh, we are going to go to the caller on line one. Hello. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Excellent. Um, two, uh, two small things. The, the hot water boiler thing. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the man's assumptions are absolutely correct. There's a bad thermostat in there. But something else people can do to actually, um, and this is in no way coming from a professional, but what I do in my home is uh, hot water boilers are set, I believe, at 140 degrees. There's nobody that can withstand that kind of heat. So I always turn mine back to about 115, 120. Um, and that will in turn, you know, lower the price of your heating bill. Certainly, but so, they, there's, there's cautions, I understand, in that as well. You want to ensure that uh, the heat that you have your hot water boiler on is not going to allow for the proliferation of bacteria. You want it hot enough so it kills that off. Yes, that is true, and this is why, I only, this is why we only go back to about 120, 115, 120. So, and there's also that, I think it's a magnesium rod that's in there. Everything just kind of eats that. So, 
It's, I mean, it works. It's been working for me. I've had the same boiler now, and I always flush my boiler every year. So I'll, I'll uh, hook a hose up to the bottom, and I'll uh, I'll open up the uh, I'll turn off the power. Of course, every time you do something with your boiler, turn off the power. Um, but I turn off the power. I uh, open up the bottom, hook up a hose, open up the bottom, uh, let my pressure relief valve at the top. I'll leave that open. And then I flush the boiler. So all the sediment in the bottom of the boiler actually leaves the boiler, so your boiler won't rot out. I've had the same boiler in the house now for eight years. Wow, yeah. And uh, never an issue at all. So there's that. And like I said, uh, not a professional, just someone who's done research, and I see a lot of other people do it, so I started doing it, and it seems like it works. So so there's that. Uh, The other thing I wanted to touch on was... I'm really, really missing George Murphy. Yeah, he was he was a he was a stellar advocate for everybody, and uh, you know every Wednesday now I find myself looking up and down the internet and can't really find a solid answer to is gas going to go up or down on Wednesday night at midnight. So yeah, it's almost impossible to find out, you know, the the current price of Brent crude or West Texas Intermediate or any of those factors that play into uh, regular pricing. It's almost impossible. It's, it's all, it seems, proprietary information these days. And um, uh, poor George was willing to pay what it costs to, you know, subscribe to those um, services uh, to give us predictions that make sense here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I can't even imagine, like, it, 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 it's, it's the, the truer words were never spoke. You don't know what you got till it's gone. And, I mean, everybody just took it for granted that George was going to come on open line on Wednesday and tell everybody, or Tuesday, and tell everybody what was happening. And now, I mean, God rest his soul, he's not there. And I'm telling you, I'm, everybody is missing it. And there's People have to be spending more money. They have to be because I know that I've, you know, I've done my, you know, ten minutes of looking up and down and seeing where where the gas price is going to go. And you know, uh, it was only last week or the week before, I think it was, uh, it was supposed to go down a cent and a half, and it went up six. So, you know, I waited, and then the next day I had to go fill, and it cost me an extra, you know, four dollars on my tank. So, you know, uh, I guess two things is that guy was amazing. And the second thing is what do we do now? Where where do people go? There has to be somewhere. He was certainly dedicated and devoted to uh, what he did. And I know, I know personally, because he told me numerous times, he tried to give it up a few times and uh, it just couldn't. He felt like it was something that he started. He had to continue doing because people relied on it so heavily. I mean, I, I know I did. I know I did for sure. So, and a lot of people that I know did. So, but you know, here we are, and it's Wednesday again, and we don't know where gas is going tomorrow. Yeah, for certain. And uh, I mean, all we can do is, uh, you know, look to other provinces, see what's happening there, to get a hint, perhaps. But of course, um, you know, the factors that uh, go into um, regulated gas prices. Uh, are beyond my understanding so you know yeah. uh you take a chance and mine too all right well thank you for your time i'll let you go squeeze in one more call maybe all right i appreciate that thanks linda thank you very much all right.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, and uh, we get those calls all the time in the VOCM newsroom, people asking us because they, they think we know for some reason. We don't. We have no idea. Um, uh, unless, you know, we somebody has the time or the... Um, wherewithal to you know check all the markets and subscribe to all of these uh, various um, industry type um, papers and those kinds of things and it's pricey Uh, and George used to tell us that all the time I know he tried to give it up once or twice and he said you know the cost of subscribing to these services um, he took that on personally and it was extraordinary it's you know fairly pricey every month Uh, so the amount of work that he put into that and I mean after a while he got to know it so intrinsically I suppose he uh, he knew exactly where things were going to go but uh, still the amount of volunteer effort that he put into that every single week simply because he wasn't getting anything for that simply because people expected it of him uh, just extraordinary uh, we just got this uh, somebody said I've had the same hot water boiler since 1997 wow <laughs> She says, not sure what I'm doing, but I thank God uh, that I am. So that's uh, great to hear. We're going to go now to the caller on line one. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, If you go on NL Maritime Facebook page, uh, you will find out what the the predictions are for the gas. Uh, That's on Facebook? Yes, NL Maritime. All right. So they uh, obviously have their hands on something. And, And they're right on with the prices with the predictions all right good to know thank you very much you're welcome. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, NL Maritime on uh, Facebook, according to her. Uh, well, that's it. We're done for today. Thanks very much for uh, all your contributions. Uh, stay safe and stay out of the smoke. Uh, man, I can certainly smell it in here. Dave, that's unreal. Uh, anyway, uh, where you are, hopefully you're able to uh, stay clear of it and it doesn't cause you too much problems. And uh, we start getting some uh, wind in through here to uh, clear things out a bit um thanks for uh, everything over the last three days uh, patty will be back in the chair tomorrow stay tuned for that and uh, stay tuned for brian callahan on um, news talk this afternoon he'll sit in for me thank you brian um so uh, i'm sure he's got lots and lots of interesting topics to approach uh, this afternoon um so stay safe out there bye bye for now